This broadcast is coming to you from unceded Gadigal land. I'd like to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to the communities of Redfern and Waterloo. Gadigal people have been sharing stories and songs on this land since the beginning of time. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Record Collections and Recollections, Out of the Box, with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, Mia Hull with you on the podcast, streaming online or live on your radio from midday to 1pm. This is Out of the Box. Each week, I sit down with one person and look at their record collection and the stories that come with it. Today, I'm joined by Aviva. Aviva is very much a multidisciplinary artist. As a singer, songwriter and musician, she's garnered more than 3 billion global streams and has celebrated huge international success. And most recently, she's an author with her first ever book, Selfless, Hitting Shelves This Week. It's fitting that those are the two art forms she works in because today we're doing a deep dive into the stories and songs that make up Aviva. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Let's jump straight to the title of author. That's brand new for you. Tell me about your book. Selfless is a book that I like to say is essentially about my worst nightmare. (laughs) It's set in a world where self-expression and creativity are illegal and they're punishable by death. And being creative and expressing myself in creative ways is fundamental to my existence as a human. So it really is my worst nightmare to imagine a life without that. But it's also kind of intriguing. And you've described the process of writing that book as a journey of self-discovery. Tell me about that. What did you learn while writing that book? I think the content of the book was not the self-discovery so much as the process of writing it was. The whole novel of Selfless was the first novel I've written. Since then, I've written subsequent novels that haven't obviously been published yet and other books in the series of selfless but that book showed me that I could do something that I wanted to and I always want to make a really clear sort of stamp next to my name that I'm not Aviva a musician who wrote a book but I'm Aviva a musician and an author and I think that this book and its journey and the journey it's taking me on Um, is really helping me illustrate that to the world. Yeah, I'm interested in that distinction between musician and author because a little look at your Spotify reveals a soundtrack that you've made to accompany the book. You've also got the first chapter of the book up on Spotify as an audiobook. Tell me about those. (laughs) I narrated the audiobook for this, which was quite a... um, fun experience. It was different to anything I'd ever done. I have done voice work in the past and obviously I sing, but um, narrating an audiobook, especially my own audiobook, was it was quite challenging. So that's what that's about. And the music and the story are inextricably connected. The songs that I've been releasing so far since Girls all map to the story. And 
I want people to be able to consume both mediums and really enhance the experience. All the artworks for each single um, are like keyholes into the world of the book. So that's really important to me because I'm such a sort of immersive person and an obsessive person. As a fan and as a teenager, it was never enough for me. Like music with you know, a vague storyline or a book, but I could hear a soundtrack. It's what I wanted. So I decided that that's what I would create. Is the idea that someone might listen to the soundtrack while reading the book or, or do they happen separately? I want them to to be able to do both. So if somebody didn't care about the music and they just wanted to read the book, they would have a, a wonderful book and a really good time reading it. And if somebody just wanted to listen to the music and didn't want to read the book... Again, they could just listen to the music and it stands on its own. I think that's really important. And I think that it does, both mediums do that. But having them together really enhances it. I have in my own head where each of the songs sits within the story. But I'm not going to tell people what that is because I want everyone else to find their own journey because we all relate to songs differently. I think that's the perfect time to insert a song into this story, Aviva. <laughs> you picked a song from the Howl's Moving Castle soundtrack to play on the show today. Tell me about yes. this one. I picked Merry-Go-Round of Life, which is one of my all-time favourite songs. Um, I listen to this song about once a day and <laughs> it is in my top three favourite movies. And the song itself is uplifting and melancholic. And I love the power of music to, to inform the listener's mood. But I also love how the listener's mood informs a song. So if you hear a song, it can be the most upbeat song. But if you're in a bad place when you listened to it, that song is colored in your mind. And I think that Merry-Go-Round of Life in the title it sort of talks about that because we the merry-go-round of life we're going around and around and it's up and it's down and so the song really illustrates that literally and figuratively <laughs> yeah I wonder if listening to it every day you get to listen to it in all these different lights as well I do sometimes it makes me feel better sometimes it just allows me to wallow in self-pity <laughs> Well, whatever mood you're in today, we'll dive into it on FBI Radio 94.5. It's Merry-Go-Round of Life from the Howl's Moving Castle soundtrack. Chosen by my guest on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. It was Merry-Go-Round of Life from the Howl's Moving Castle soundtrack. My guest today is author and musician Aviva. We've just covered off on your newly appointed status as an author, but you've been making music much longer than that. Let's go back to where that started, Aviva. Where did you grow up? I grew up on the North Shore um, and I grew up in a very musical household. My dad's a musician, my uncles all play guitar and sing. Playing music, performing at family like gatherings is all sort of part of the culture of my family. It always has been. So I was always surrounded by music and I'm very lucky that my grandparents um, 
were super, I mean, my parents obviously were very encouraging um, and that I'm lucky of because some people's parents aren't. But my grandparents also were particularly uh, impactful in my musical development because they were the ones that were taking me to and paying for my music lessons. I started piano when I was three and then violin when I was four. And it was my grandma that would be forcing me to practice and, and it was, you know, always having family coming to performances or recitals and, and this sort of thing that nurtured me and also helped me foster a good sort of relationship because when you're performing and your family are there supporting you and you're really little, you feel good because you're like, oh, they love me and I'm doing a good thing. And I think that really helped me to have a really positive relationship with music and, and use it as a safe space. It's interesting that your grandparents were so involved. Did they live in your home when you were little? Yeah, when I was little, I grew up um, at home with my grandparents and my uncles. There was a, a lot of people in the household, so we were always sort of there. And that's, I think, another reason why I have a great love of books, because I was always being read to and there was a lot of different music taste. My dad loves, you know, funk and soul music and electronic music. My mum loves grunge music my grandma loves classical my other grandma loves country my grandparents my grandpas I should say they love jazz so it's there's all different um, musical tastes that I was immersed in and that's why I think I have such a diverse musical taste now as an adult myself yeah it's like the perfect melting pot of genres exactly sidestepping a little bit I've noticed that you call your fans outsiders is there a reason you've chosen that word? Does it relate to any experiences you might have had growing up? Um, yeah, I call my fans outsiders and my sort of byline is we are all outsiders because I think that even the most in-crowd person, the most popular person still feels like there's a part of them that if they revealed it would make them an outsider or that they don't quite fit in. It's amazing how many people you ask, are you an outsider? And they're like, yeah, obviously. And, and in my experience growing up, I did often feel at school more like, not at home, but at school, I often felt like an outsider. Part of it was because of my music taste. I was listening to music that wasn't popular radio music. Mm. And when you're 12, 13, 14, it's not cool to be jamming to Frank Sinatra, but that's who I was and it was what I was doing. So I think that was super um, formative for me and it was part of the journey of me learning to be my own person and really not care what other people thought. I wonder if the next track you've chosen for the show is one that maybe set you apart as a kid too. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Abba is pretty much for everybody. I picked, <laughs> I picked um, Thank You for the Music by Abba because it is... Um, it's not my favorite ABBA song, but it is one of the favorite songs that I used to sing that, you know, my grandmas both loved and my mom um, all loved hearing me sing and still do always ask me to sing it. So thank you for the music's lyrics. I mean, it opens with I'm nothing special. In fact, I'm a bit of a bore. And the, then it goes on to talk about how it's when I start to sing, um, everyone listens. And I think that that's really important and that sort of finding what makes you special and gives you your 
light, what helps your light shine, for lack of a better expression. <laughs> and for me, it's always been singing. It just, it's the most, it's like what I imagine a runner must feel when they're like sprinting. That's how I feel when I sing. I can't stop smiling. That's such a nice <laughs> description. <laughs> we'll jump into that one right now on FBI Radio 94.5. It is ABBA and thank you for the music. So I say thank you for the music, the song. That was ABBA and thank you for the music on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. It was chosen by Aviva who, while describing that song, was talking about the way that singing makes her feel. And I want to talk about your journey into singing. Where were you in life when you first started to think about music seriously? When I was in primary school, all I could imagine doing was being a professional musician and a writer. That's all I wanted. And then... Um, when I was in high school, it didn't change. And the more people talked about like, oh, I want to study psychology or I want to be a lawyer. Of course, I thought about all these different things that I would love to be because, <laughs> I mean, there are so many cool jobs out there. But the one thing that I knew I always wanted to do was to perform and to sing and to tell stories in every way possible. And that stuck with me. And I was lucky enough to have a really good English teacher from year 10. I had the same teacher in year 10, 11 and 12 in English and a really good music teacher. And again, I had the same teacher almost the whole way through from year eight in music. Um, it was a pretty small school. So we had this sort of, I guess, a connection, me and these two teachers respectively. And they knew that this stuff was important to me. So they always encouraged me and when I became a high school teacher, I think that that really informed my pedagogy as a teacher to to remember that when a young person has a dream and a goal, it's real. And just because they're 15 or 16 doesn't mean that it's pie in the sky. Because look at me, I'm literally doing my dream job and I'm so lucky to have that opportunity but it's because I knew that it was possible and I had support but I also worked really hard in the face of adversity. I, I love that your dream was to become a writer and a musician and here we are doing this <laughs> interview right now. How do you start to become a musician? What were the first steps into that for you? I used to do music and by do music I mean play, sing, write songs every day from when I was four years old. I practiced violin every day. When I was 12, I started piano lessons and I then played piano and practiced every single day and I started singing. I always sung because when you're a child, singing is fun. But when I was about 12, 13, actually earlier, probably about eight, I really, really loved to sing and I felt really, really shy. And in year six, I got the opportunity to sing at our Christmas concert that we did at school. And um, 
it was the first time I'd performed singing and I was so happy and I got such great feedback and I was like, oh, maybe I'm a good singer. <laughs> and then after that point, I was kind of addicted to singing and um, wanted to do lessons, but I didn't actually start training, like training my voice until I was 14 because it's not good to do that too young if you don't let your voice naturally sort of settle. Um, so I started classical singing training when I was about 14 and I wanted to be an opera singer but here I am (laughs) (laughs) I I find that so interesting that like right from the get-go you've got these classical influences coming in from the family and then yeah it seems like even in all the training it's always had this classical element What, what direction were you originally heading in musically because it was a little bit different to where you've ended up wasn't it it is very different to where I've ended up I had always when I played violin I wanted to be a concert violinist And then when I played piano, I wanted to play classical music. Classical music is a massive part of my life and it always has been. And when I was a lot younger, I felt embarrassed because it was like, oh, so lame, classical music. (laughs) And then, like I said, when I got over that caring what other people think thing, which I basically started that not caring at 15 and by 16, I was fully disinterested in other people's opinions if they weren't getting it then they didn't matter to me and um classical music is so magical it's transportive and everything I create it's about emotion and I I always harp on about how I want to make people feel things and classical music is 100% emotion I mean you cannot listen to a piece of Beethoven and not feel things so if that's your basis, then you're already in the right direction. Beethoven isn't the one you've chosen to play next on the no. show. <laughs> Maybe this song might make someone feel something. I don't know. What is it? What's the next one you picked? This is uh, not classical music, but it is from my favourite band, which is a band called The Smiths, um, despite the lead singer Morrissey's controversy as a person. Um, I don't let that sort of thing dictate my love of art because you do need to separate art from artists sometimes so the song that I chose was called this charming man and the reason I chose the song was because it's not my favorite smith song I feel like every smith song is my favorite smith song um my favorite would be big mouth strikes again but this charming man I chose because it is kind of pivotal at like I was saying when I was 15 16 and if I wasn't invited to an event like a party or something Listening to this song on a Friday night always made me feel better. And what more do you want from a song? You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB or streaming via the website or the podcast. That was This Charming Man by The Smiths. It was chosen by Aviva, who is my guest today on Out of the Box. Before that track, we talked about dipping your toes into music for the first time and how things kind of got started. I want to jump to 2017 when you released Girls. I feel like it marks where things really kicked off for you. Why was releasing that song so significant? Girls 
was a song that resonated with people in a way that I hadn't expected. It got picked up by a YouTube tastemaker called Mr. Suicide Sheep and introduced me to a whole new audience. And then it got picked up by a whole bunch of different subcultures on YouTube. And all of a sudden I had this larger group of people that were like, oh, I feel like this. The lyrics of girls is, (laughs) it's just so like real to me and my experience, like waiting for an invite that never comes along, like... That's how I felt a lot in my life in high school and in the music scene, especially in the Australian music scene, unfortunately. And um, it's, yeah, it's kind of moving that so many people really related to this stuff in Girls. And um, I feel like the song itself really defined what my, how my messages are conveyed, which is, your meaning might be slightly different to my meaning but the core idea of the song remains the same and that's how I try to write my music and that's how I want people to relate to my music because you could hear girls and it's about the person that lives in the apartment next door that you just really don't like when you see them in the mailbox or (laughs) your boss or you know your family like there's so many different ways I don't I always say I don't write relationship songs like breakup songs or love songs I write war songs and fight songs because I want people to be fighting for themselves and find that sort of strength inside to be who they are and to pursue things that are important to them and to fight for what they believe is right and getting picked up by Mr Suicide Sheep and kind of finding its way into these online communities I guess that inadvertently means that you've picked up an international audience more so than an Australian audience am I right in saying that Definitely. I mean, I have over 3 billion streams of my music Mm. and um, they're not in Australia. There are some in Australia. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Do you think there's something to that? I think part of it is the Australian music scene is quite strongly dictated by particular outlets and the sound that is accepted as mainstream Australian music is particularly prescripted and I don't fit into that because I do what I want and what I like and genre blend because genres are so irrelevant in 2021 and even in 2017 when girls came out genres was already starting to become irrelevant so I think that's part of it and you know there's not a lot of people in Australia and we're a bit of an older population and my fan age group really starts from seven years old And the biggest age group is 7 to 25 of my fans. But the beautiful thing when I did my headline tour in the States just before COVID really hit um, was going to the show and seeing like a little sister and then a big sister and then a dad. (laughs) And then they all came to the um, merch table and then they'd all buy something. Even the dad would be like, I'm getting my own hoodie. And it was just like so awesome to have this. So it's music that doesn't have an age limit, but my audience is definitely a younger leaning audience. I want to talk about another tour that you did as well when you were opening for the Poppy Am I a Girl tour. What did that mean to you to be opening for someone like Poppy? It was really interesting. Um, I think she's such a sort of dynamic creator and um, quite a shapeshifter, which I think is really cool the way she's kind of 
made herself reinvented herself recently i would say the tour itself was the first time i really played in the states so it was an amazing opportunity to do that and what i think was most exciting for me was after the first show in seattle um, we sold out all the merch it was the merch that we'd got for the whole tour as the opening act we'd got like our merch we had it all in boxes and we set it up and then within half an hour it sold out and i was like i have grossly miscalculated this <laughs> yeah does that mean they'd come to see you then just as much as they there were so you, many happy. people that had come to see me and wow it was really moving because i hadn't expected it at all yeah were you aware of how big your international fan base was before then? I think it was the first time I'd seen it in the flesh. I mean, getting a lot of comments and messages, it's one, one thing, but actually seeing physical bodies and hearing people and getting people taking their photos and all of that stuff, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. While we're on the topic of touring, I want to talk about your debut album, Volume 1. You dropped it last year still in COVID times, obviously that would have impacted your ability to tour the album or go through any of the motions of releasing an album. What did that mean for you? Well, I, to me, the album is different to what it was. My albums are more about finding a way to physically embrace the music. Um, there's, you know, content that hasn't been released, but a lot of it are songs, the singles that people are already familiar with. So... The biggest impact was definitely sort of shipping and those sorts of impacts that you wouldn't think about. Like to get a vinyl pressed, they get pressed in Eastern Europe and there's so, there were so many delays. There's even more now. It's, it's really amazing. The things you don't think of being impacted are the things that are impacted the most. You've chosen a song from La La Land today. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this one. I chose the song Another Day of Sun because... Um, one of the things about sort of your questions, which is, you know, why do you think it's a bigger international audience, um, et cetera, et cetera. LA to me has been my home and is such a magical place. It is, you know, the land of old Hollywood and is the place that people traditionally have gone to pursue dreams and all of that sort of thing. And every time I used to fly before I moved to LA, every time I used to fly there on the plane, I'd listen to this song and this song is about not giving up on your dreams and I'm about not giving up on your dreams because I truly believe that anyone can, can achieve the things they want to achieve. If you work hard enough and you're passionate enough and it's real passion, not just, I think it would be really cool to be famous because you're not going to achieve much with that attitude. You've got to be passionate about what you do and, and this song really encapsulates that. It's another day of sun from the musical La La Land. You're listening to Out of the Box with me, Mia Hull, and musician slash author Aviva. Another day of sun. It was a cut from the musical La La Land on FBI Radio 94.5. Right now on Out of the Box, I'm joined by Aviva as we roll through the stories and songs that have made up her life. 
Aviva is a musician and an author and she runs a Discord. Tell me about your Discord. It's one of the biggest artist-run Discords on the whole world of Discord. Um, and it's an official partner Discord. So quite an achievement in itself that I'm very proud of with um, big thanks to my fans who are obviously the reason that it exists and the reason that I was able to even have a Discord. It is a community. If you don't know what Discord is, it's basically a social media platform where you have different channels where you can do text chat or voice chat and share pictures and it's a community building thing. And so I use it as a way to provide a community for my outsiders and to also disseminate information and to hang out with them too sometimes, which I like to do in a bit more of a structured environment because um, that's what Discord is. I have just recently had the one year birthday of my Discord server. And we did a um, we did a, an event where I live, I did a live reading of chapter one of my book, Selfless, which was awesome. And everyone was there and obviously they could just hear me and they couldn't speak, but there was a chat and everyone's typing things. And it's just so important for me to provide a community and a place for these people to interact with each other because of course they love me, but <laughs> oftentimes um, my fans have a lot of similarities that they didn't even realize. And so we have a channel for a thing called Gacha and then channels for video games and channels for pet sharing, pictures of your pets and stuff like that. And I think it's really good, especially during this sort of at home COVID time for people to find places to interact because the one thing that you don't want to happen is to become too insular. No one should become too insular. And even if it's not in real life communication, any kind of communication is really important. I, I think that's really special as well that, you know, you originally had your rise online and now online is this space where your art flourishes and your audience can access you in all these different ways. You've got the book, you've got the music, you've got you know, these chat rooms on Discord as exactly. well. I think it's really important as well. Sorry to cut you off. But as an artist in today's day and age, I don't think that there is as much of a place of, as this um, of the sort of pedestal artists. I think that it's important for people to know that we are real people. And the, the good art comes from real places. And looking ahead, what, what does that mean for the future of your art? For me, the future just looks like more creating, more doing what I love, more reaching people that don't feel like they have a way to express themselves. If people can find a way to express themselves through my art, then that is the first step to them finding a way to express themselves through their own, whether that's making a sandwich because even cooking is a form of art. Like it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're finding safe, healthy ways to sort of get what's inside out. Cause that's what making music is to me. So I guess that's what I'm trying to do to like lead by example, just on a really big scale. Yeah. And I'm sure you make sandwiches sometimes as well. <laughs> I make amazing sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned that selfless is part of a series. Mm -hmm. When can we expect the next iteration? If you read the first book, you will find at the end of the book, a secret <laughs> about that. 
<laughs> okay, and if you did want to read the book, we'll put a link to that one up in the programs page on fbiradio.com so you'll know exactly where to find it. Aviva, thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Box today. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for having me. I've had a wonderful time and hope that everyone can get a little bit of joy in their day from listening to my picks. And what is the last pick today? The last pick is a bit of a curveball. It's <laughs> Gooey by Glass Animals. <laughs> and I picked this song because I've been a big fan of Glass Animals for a long time when they came to Australia and played at the Oxford Art Factory. I was there at the front, excited as anything. That was many years ago now. Um, but this song, Gooey, kind of reminds me about everything I love on creativity, everything I love about making music and the fact that you don't have to be literal for people to find meaning. You don't have to be explicit in your lyrics for people to understand the intent. And I think that that's what is important to me as a songwriter. I don't think things need to be spelt out 100% for people to get it. Beautiful note to end things on, and I'll jump into that one right now on FBI. It's Glass Animals. The song's called Gooey, and it was chosen by Aviva, my guest on the show today. If you do want to listen back to the episode, you can do so on the programs page on fbiradio.com, where you'll also find links to Aviva's music and her book, Selfless. You can also listen back on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Big shout-outs to Rebecca for producing this episode and stay tuned. Lunch is right around the corner. You just wanna know.